Hey everyone, this is Chet with Christian Hunters of America podcast. We are really excited to announce that Eddie Corona is going to be on this episode. This is going to be a two-part episode. It's pretty long, but a lot of information is covered. Eddie Corona is in charge of the outdoor experience for all, as well as uh, partnered with Wounded Warrior Outdoors. Eddie's going to talk a little bit about the Wounded Warrior Outdoors in the second part, but our first portion of this podcast is the outdoor experience for all how it helps wounded uh, kids, how it helps disabled youth, how it helps a lot of the legacy kids that have lost a loved one that are first responders or that their parents were veterans and may have been disabled or killed in the line of duty. Outdoor Experience for All uh, helps a lot of people, specifically the youth in Arizona. Um, Eddie has been a part of that from the get-go. You're going to hear him speak about how it was started, who helped him create that, and how it impacts our children here in Arizona. And like we said, the second part of this interview is going to be about the Wounded Warrior Outdoors and how he has helped create um, a lot of different Wounded Warrior camps, specifically one in Southern Arizona that is uh, in its infancy, but he's uh, got a lot of traction. It's going to be the Wounded veteran camps with women that a lot of people uh, overlook sometimes that there's a lot of wounded veterans that are women and how being outside and being outdoors and hunting with uh, fellow women veterans helps in that healing process so stay tuned and uh, please continue to follow along on christian hunters of america podcast thanks for tuning in Welcome, everyone, to the Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is Chet. I'm joined with my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Doing fantastic. Hello, everybody. Like we said, we have an exciting guest today. We have Eddie Corona representing the Outdoor Experience for All. He's got quite a few stories for us to listen to and entertain us. And Outdoor Experience for All is a great organization. He's going to tell us all about that. How you doing today, Eddie? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, thank you for having me out here. I really appreciate the opportunity to... Uh to talk about who we are and what we are and what we do and, and the support we have out there in, a, in our outdoor community. Absolutely. Huge, huge. And I'm going back to 2015, so it's roughly six years ago. Um, that's when my son was diagnosed with cancer in high school. And we had a, uh, he was finishing up treatment. And then I had a fellow hunter that basically said, hey, you need to check out this organization called OE4A. And I'm like, OE4A. I'm like, what the heck is that? And then all of a sudden he said, just here's the number, call it. Didn't give me any name. And this guy answers the phone and says, hello, is uh, OE4A available? And that's when I think Eddie picked up the phone. So here's uh, Mr. Eddie and uh, his organization. So what is OE4A? Outdoor Experience for All, uh, a fellow by the name of Chris Denham and myself, uh, we're volunteering with a different organization in 2007, and uh, you know we saw a lot of opportunity. We saw a lot of a lot of things we can do more in our state. This is a uh, an organization from out of state. Uh, they do good work as well, and so they inspired us to bring something like that to the state for our kids here. Uh, so outdoor experience for all. What we do is we take children who've been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness, children with prosthetics and disabilities. And children are fallen heroes, which includes law enforcement, first responders, and military. Uh, now, fallen heroes has always been defined as those who have lost a life in line of duty. But in today's world, we have a lot of fallen heroes who become disabled as well uh, in the line of duty. So we take their children as well into the outdoors, whether they want to go hunting, camping, fishing, boating, hiking, horseback riding. Um, and surprisingly, most of these kids want to hunt. My wife always tells me, it's like, hey, dude, you know, you need to take some of these kids fishing. I said, babe, uh, we do that, but they don't show up. <laughs> they want to go hunt. So so anyways, because it's not our experience, it's their experience. Uh, if we have one of our participants who wants to go out there and fish, we'll go fishing. If they want to go out there and hunt, we'll go hunt. We've had kids who uh, never been in the snow, you know, and they wanted to play in the snow. So we're like, all right, well, you know, it's their outdoor experience, it's not ours. Um, so that's what we do, and mainly with our hunting side, we have uh, what's called the Benevolent Transfer Clause. Uh, the Benevolent Transfer Clause, for example, people get drawn for a big game hunt. You know, you can do a couple of things with your permit. You can use it. You can let it go to waste. You can transfer it to your own child or grandchild between the age of 10 and under 18. 
Or you can donate it to a nonprofit. A nonprofit can turn around and transfer that 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 permit to a child between the age of 10 and under 18 who's been you know diagnosed with a life-threatening illness or a child with a permanent disability. And uh, 2009 um, started introducing uh, changing to legislation, and finally in 2014, House Bill 2303 was introduced, which now allows us to transfer permits to disabled veterans. So Fantastic. That's you know. I keep going about what else we do, but there's yep. limited time. So No, no, that's exactly true. And I think that kind of goes back to my story with uh, having my son being diagnosed. And he was finishing up. He finished up chemo. He was just finishing up radiation. And you said the key thing is the tag can be transferred up to their 18th birthday. Correct. Of course, my son was born middle of September, so we had about a three-week window. And uh, when I got the phone number, you know, I basically called this OE4A guy. And this guy by name Eddie Crone answers the phone. And... I'm like, hey, I got your number. Uh, my son's, you know, he's finishing up treatment. And he's going to be turning 18. I understand there's some rules. And he's first thing he says, I still remember, he's like, Mike, he says, how's your son? I don't care about hunting, but how's your son doing? Mm-hmm. And I think that shows your compassion. I think that kind of shows why you're driven to do what you do. Do you want to kind of explain? I know that gave me, I got goosebumps again because to me, sometimes we think about these these transfer tags and it's just, you know, this person gets this tag, this person, and sometimes people may have a, a bad perception, but I think it goes back to these are people that have gone through, you know, in, in essence, some really bad stuff. And I know as a father watching my son go through some of that bad stuff, and I, and I remember here I was calling to maybe have an opportunity to get a, get a tag, but, you know, just... And for me, at the time, it was just to get away from the treatment, you know, just to get away and, and force myself to do a weekend, you know, out in the woods with my son. But you kind of took it back to, hey, how's your son? What's going on with him? And I think that's that's an important establishment of why you do what you do. Uh, thank you, by the way. Uh, and, you know, the whole idea between or behind what we do is what's the ultimate goal? Is the ultimate goal to harvest an animal? No. The ultimate goal is to make an impact. And the impact comes in so many different ways. And, uh, you know, w- the tool is to get outdoors. And, and that's when the hunting tag and all that stuff comes up, up available or whatever they want to go outside. But once you get there, what do you do then? You know, uh, you know, you can build dreams, you can build memories, you can build, you know, laughter. Or you just go out there and focus like, you know, we would go hunt you know, there's times where we have gone into the outdoors where we go chase that particular, you know, game, and all focus is just that. Then it's over, and then what? And you try to figure out what I'll, what do I do next? Versus, okay, if I'm going to go into this scenario, how do I build it up to make it enjoyable from all aspects? And, uh, you know, I still do both sides of it, just trying to make that happen. But, uh, you know, with... with uh, with what our goal is, is to make a difference, to make a difference not only in the family or the child, but also in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and our slogan is change your lives one adventure at a time. And, and we're trying to come up with a slogan and, and a statement of what does that mean and the whole bit. And, and you know, we'll talk about it now because it's a good time. But, uh, you know, change your lives one adventure at a time. When we first started doing this, when Chris and I first started doing this, we were, we were thinking we we're going to make an impact. And uh, our participants' lives. But the reality is they also make an impact in our own. If you just take a step back and, and take a look at the whole picture, you know, the driven part comes by being impacted in, in a way that, no, you know, just don't do it. You just don't, it doesn't happen every day. Uh, we have a saying in our, in, our, uh, in, our, in our circle that, you know, uh, sometimes we try to do things and we don't know how we get it done. You know, and that's just... It's, you know, it's just God's work, you know, allowing things to fall in place. And you're like, all right, can't explain how this happened, but it did. And so we have yep. a lot of good things like that happen to us. Uh, uh, when it comes to changing lives, you know, you know how do we do that? How do we, how do we impact not only the, the child or the family or, or that camp or community or the city or the state? And the reality is this, you know, we always talk about changing the future. And the future, uh, heck, 25% of our future, our children, they're 100% of our future. You know, 25% of today's population are children. They are 100% of our future. In order for us to change the future, we got to change and invest in them. My train left my station a long time ago. 
you know. <laughs> the yep. only thing I can offer these kids today is my knowledge. Yep. And, you know, hugs, kicks in the butt, you know, <clears throat> information, this is the way I did this. this. Then when I fell down, this is the way I got up. Yep. You know, when I attacked that mountain, this is the way I went up because I, I, I sat back and looked at the whole deal, which is the most effective way for me to get there. And, and in, informing those children, you know. Um, so for us, we constantly take a look at our process, the way we do things as outdoor experience for all. And we're constantly looking for ways to improve it. We're not stuck in one way. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't make the right choice. But that choice leads you to a better solution. You know, is it a mistake? It's only a mistake if you don't learn something from it. And if you can learn something from it and you dig into that choice and make it better, then you're, you're okay. Um, I hopefully I answered that question. No, no, it's exactly. It. We're we're just here to kind of learn what you do, and uh-huh. you know, I'm just kind of giving a life story of you know when I first heard the the term OE4A and how it impacted us, and I still remember you had a a archery kaibab tag, and you know, and it one of those last things we had to get a crossbow because he couldn't shoot a bow, and but it was like a two day trip. I'm mean, imagine driving from the valley up to the kaibab, and it was more about just the travel, going up there and road hunting, talking, and coming home. I think he got one shot at like. A, a small buck while we we're driving one day but it was just more of getting out of the hospital getting out of our house being confined and, and i think that's sometimes too is you just talked about the knowledge and what you can give but i think the, the bigger picture where i was impacted and the people that i've talked to is there's a lot of hunters out there and people love the outdoors and just by having you have the background understand how to transfer a tag you give that person the freedom and the release to say, hey, now I got this tag, let's go do something with it, where you may never even meet that person in person, but just by you transferring that tag, you've impacted a family, a life, friends, and everybody else. And I think you've probably have impacted more people that you really don't even know just through that transfer tag. And like, For instance, like how many tags do you do typically every year I mean, that come in through your organization, and, and how many of those tags get transferred out? Well, <clears throat> our average, I would, and this is just a, Educated guess is about 350 tags a year. Last year we had 421. So just based on that, and how many of those do you physically meet typically um, on that? As we progress, as we've been growing, we've been getting better and better. And sure. depending, depending on when we get the tags, uh, there's a lot of late-minute tags. Yep. And the late-minute tags are like, hey, the hunt starts tomorrow. I want to transfer yep. this. And you're like, okay, well, that's fine. And Andy, do you have point guard? And they yeah. say, yeah, well, my recommendation is go get your points back first. Um yeah. Uh, but like last year, 421 tags, we transferred uh, 397, I think it was. So, I mean, just think about that. That's roughly 400 individuals' lives that were impacted to just get, a, get away out of their current situation, just to go have a day, might be hours or a weekend or even a week, mm-hmm. just to feel normal and to enjoy God's amazing creation that he has and through the, through the tag transfer. I mean, to me, that's just amazing because that was my impact is I didn't know you. I just knew that... I, I wanted to do something that got me out of being around the hospital and treatments and locked in our house and being confined. And here we are in COVID and mask up and stay in your house. I mean, but when you're going through cancer treatment, that's basically what our life was for that nine months is you don't go outdoors. You don't go out to restaurants. You wear a mask everywhere you go. You go to yep. treatment and, and you basically self-isolate and don't leave your house. And to have that impact, to have a tag to force you, it's like a freedom and it's almost like a renewing of a spirit. It really is. Well, that just means that he's had even a bigger impact. Eddie's had a bigger impact than just those people that are getting to go and, and enjoy that tag because you compound that by all the family members. You're speaking on behalf of Jared, your son who had was you know formerly fighting cancer. Think of all the family members that saw the impact of going outside and the smiles on his face and the smiles on family members. So even, you know, you're in the thousands on how many people you positively impact. Mm-hmm. But, and you bring up a good point when, uh, you know, when I said earlier about constantly taking a look at our process and trying to make it better, you know, the impact that we're making, uh, you know, some organizations, including ours at one time, would go out there and take these kids out and then, you know, to not only glorify ourselves, you know, we're ego driven, just like anyone else, you know, guilty. We all are. Just like anyone else. We all are at a certain point. Then we're trying to figure out, okay, what is the goal of the program? Is the goal of the program to pat ourselves on the back or is the goal of the program to make an impact? Yep. Well, the goal of the program to make an impact. So, okay, and then we had to ask the question, 
you know, if we transfer a, ta- a tag to, you know, little Johnny or, or little Susie, and we asked her parents, okay, what is it that you need? Because if you come from a hunting family, you're sure as heck don't need me to be at camp. Because then what will happen is, because we did the tag transfer, then, you know, <clears throat> been there on both ends. What I'm going to explain is been there to where, um, you know, you're there, you know what to do, you know how to do it. You might even know to do it better than I can, but yet you feel like obligated to not say anything because oh, I don't want to hurt the guy's feelings. He's so excited, you know, and the whole bit. And then at the end of the day, you're like, we could have done it so much better. We had had more fun because you know your kid better than I do. Yep. The same token, I've been on the other end where, you know, sitting there going, I'm not going to say anything because, you know, I want to be nice because someone else is providing something for me. And, and, and then you, so you've been knowing both sides of the feeling, the, the, the best thing for us to do is to go and just ask, you know, what is it? How is it? Your, your pe- people, your family are going to benefit better. If you've never hunted before you need our help, by all means, please accept our help. We're going to offer it. But if you've hunted, then you sh- I don't need to be at that camp. You right. can be with your family. You can be with your friends. You know, it's your therapy, not mine. Yep. Right. You know, so for, by doing that, you know, we're able to do more. Yep. Uh, we're able to spend more, you know, go from doing 200 transfer permits a year to almost 400 transfer permits a year because we changed our, our philosophy. We changed the way we conduct business to maximize opportunity. And the maximizing of opportunity is not only maximizing it for ourselves as an organization, but actually maximizing it for our participants who are, yeah. we're trying to serve. Yeah. Now, on the flip side, we also did this this last year where, you know, there's 20-some organizations in the state that do the tag transfer stuff. Um, you know, I think there's one organization who's been here longer than us, you know, and, and, and they do good work as well. Everyone does great work. Even if they just take one person out a year, they've accomplished their goal. Obviously, we want to take it more. So because we've been around since 2008, I mean, I, it's mind-boggling just to think we've been around that long, you know, and, you know, I like to believe that we've been doing things the right way and, you know, going out there and talking to the public, going out there and, and soliciting what we do. We get a large number of tags being donated to us. And because of that, you know, our philosophy is, is you know, what is the goal of the donor? Mm-hmm. To have his tag used. You know, to have her, you know, his or her tag used by our participant, whether it's a kid or or veteran, they they get to choose that. And if they leave it up to me, it's even better because then I can pick and choose how we're going to, you know, where's the tag, what unit, who's available, who hasn't done this, who can do that type of weapon type, whose parents are available. There's so many factors going into bringing it all together. But so what we did is like, you know, there's other organizations who don't have the, the luxury of being the longevity that we have. So once we get tags, you know, I call them up. It's like, okay, what are you looking for? You know, you, you live over, you know, Sunny Tapia over in, in uh, uh, Eastern Arizona. Yeah, Alpine or Greer or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. Uh, yep. Oh, Springville, Springville. You know, he's got an organization over there, you know, uh, James De- James over, the priest over at uh, uh, Forest Lakes, Sheila over in Kingman. There's so many people in different places, you know, Sarah Vista. Um, there's, so I, I, you know, I look at them and go, okay, well, how can we best serve this permit? You know, if, if and then if, do you guys have people in your area that you're serving or you're bringing them in from somewhere else? How much time do you need? So we take those permits and, and uh, I'll call them up <clears throat> and ask them, you know, this is what I have. How can we work together to accomplish the goal of the programs, to take more participants out. Absolutely. And what also happens for us is, A, those organizations are taking more participants out. We, uh, together as organizations, are taking more participants out. At the same time, we're minimizing expense. Yep. Because it doesn't fall back on one. We know we're, we're sharing the wealth. Yep. And last year, it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was like, it was very awesome there, you know, and then... Uh, Social media, obviously, you, you you look at on there, and some kid posted. I'm like, you know, donate a tag to us. I'm like, who's weapons for warriors? I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. So I immediately sent him a message, and sure enough, he got back to me, and 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 now we're working together, and yeah. uh, those guys do excellent work. Um, yep. And so, and it's just a matter of, you know, reaching out and making a and making an impact, and and not to backtrack too much. How did if 
you want to talk a little bit about how you and Chris Denham and who Chris is, how you guys got, what made you start this to begin with? Well, you know, um, Chris has always wanted to be like me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I had to throw that one in there. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get from some feedback on that yeah, one later. Exactly. But uh, Chris and I met, God, it's probably in the 80s. Um, down in Tucson, he moved up here, and I came up here, and and then I, uh, um, we were at a camp in 2007. I drew a, I drew a, a 6A label tag, and my sister-in-law also drew a 6A label tag, and she moved back to Oklahoma, and we we're going to try to transfer that permit to her son, uh, but she had to be within 50 yards of him if she if we were going to transfer to him. Well, she couldn't. That's why she moved back to Oklahoma. You know, it's she. That work to do and stuff. So at that point, I called the Game Affairs Department, asking, "Hey, by the way, you know, so if I can't do this, what can we do with it?" And he goes, "Well, you can donate it to, you know, this organization." I'm like, "All right." So we did. And when I talked to the person at that organization, uh, he goes, "Yeah, well, we're looking. You know, what else? Could, I'm going to be there. If I'm going to be there, I'm going to be with myself. I might as well help with someone else." I'm like, "Oh, so what do you guys need?" He said, "Well, we're looking for a cook and blah blah blah." I'm like, "Well." How many people are we talking about? So he told me, I'm like, well, let's, let's do it. I'll volunteer. I show up at camp, and guess who's there? Chris Denham. And when he goes, oh, crap, it's you. I'm like, hey, what's up? You know. Yeah. And so it's a weird, weird thing as you just pick up where you left off. And yep. uh, so we started talking, and more communication went back and forth. And, um, you know, w we were bringing kids in from out of state for this organization, I'm like, well, why can't we can do kids from our, within our state? You know, and we can do more because, A, the expense is going to be less. And, you know, we can go Friday, Saturday, Sunday with a kid. And they've missed less school that way, you know. So so we decided to do Outdoor Experience. Is, our legal name is The Outdoor Experience, Inc., our registered DBA doing business as is Outdoor Experience for All. Yep. So, and... Um, September of 2008, we put this whole thing together and we did our first hunt. And the crazy part is, we always thought it was going to, you know, we never, you, you didn't think, we didn't ever think that it was going to be around for as long as we have been. You just don't think it. You just do it. Yep. You know, it's like a marriage. And uh, here we are, it's 2021. And we're like, we look at each other sometimes and go, like, what happened? Yep. I'm like, I don't know. We just yep. put your head down and start. Just keep working. You know, you just put your head on, keep going, keep going, keep, keep grinding. Going. Yeah, and all of a sudden you pop your head up and go, what? It's true. You know, 10, 12 years later, you're figuring out what happened. And But uh, um, no, so that's kind of the way it all started. And, and uh, we are still going strong and still growing and still trying to make an impact. And, and, and you know. I got a funny story. I, you, you probably have been encountered numerous people in this manner, but... Chris Denham's obviously affiliated with the Outdoorsman's, and when it was at its old location on Cave Creek, <laughs> first time I ever met Eddie, I thought he was an employee there, that he's rearranging backpacks and, and moving product around, and he probably was just shopping, but he came up to me and started talking about Outdoor Experience for All and how many points I have, do I have point guard, and if I ever not get drawn or can't make it, and I, I get that tag and something comes up and I can't make it, kind of like what he's speaking about. You get uh, you get hurt, you get sick, or for whatever reason, if you have point guard here in Arizona, that just means for one-time use for that species, you can turn your tag back into Game and Fish. You keep all your bonus points, and someone else can use that tag. And Outdoor Experience for All, helping youth and helping disabled hunters, helping disabled uh veterans and whatnot can can utilize that tag and i'm like okay he's handing me the pamphlet i had never heard of it before and this is probably 2015 2016 and and i'm thinking here's an employee pushing this uh program and i i, I researched it and i said that's a great thing i don't have enough points i remember you asking me what do you have a couple points for elk <laughs> and i go yeah probably two or three uh and he's like okay when you get drawn for that uh, big one you can't make it get that point guard it's only five bucks and here's outdoor experience for all literature donate it to us if you can't make it if you can make it enjoy your hunt i don't know how many times you've probably given that 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 speech or that spiel but i'm like here's a guy you know who's an employee for this specific store what i thought was <laughs> was an employee 
and you're just you know probably shopping but at the at that door uh the old door the wooden door that you let yep, out uh-huh. on the cave creek um there's a you know a little stand with outdoor experience for all literature and you grabbed one handed it to me and i went about my way and you were still inside uh shopping away but that was my that was my experience the first time i ever met you yeah the outdoorsman uh, do i work from on occasion uh, we do uh, shows together and, you know, Floyd Green and, and all that outdoorsman employees, current and former employees have always been great supporters of our program. Um, and, you know, still today, you know, they're still support us. They're still part of the team. In fact, uh, Courtney Denham, who is uh, now a partner with the outdoorsman, is Chris Denham's daughter. She came up with our slogan, Change the Lives One Adventure at a Time. And we were set... Be Chris, myself, Courtney, and his son Mark. We go to El Rancho Market over on Ray Road and, and uh, Arizona Avenue. They have a little Mexican restaurant inside, and we'll sit there and eat, you know, smashing burritos and carne asada and the yeah. whole bed, and just talk about outdoor experience. Those, those were our meeting rooms. I mean, those are the best meeting places ever. Absolutely. Exactly. And so we would sit there and you know tear it up. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, Chris is from Douglas. I didn't know that. And, uh, you know, and so he and I, we, anytime we can go flashback to our, you know, border town stuff, and we're like, oh, heck yeah, let's eat carne asada, let's eat, and whatever. Yeah. So we always met over at uh, at El Rancho awesome. Market. It was love perfect. It. So, love, so, uh, it. love it, love it. But yeah, you know, those guys have been great supporters. Um, um, love them, love our sponsors. Uh, we worked extremely hard to not only get our sponsors, but to also uh, do what we said we're going to do for our sponsors um, and donors and, and so on and so forth. And so who are some of your great sponsors? Who are some of the great organizations, you know, just off the top of your head? And, and a lot of those is you guys are a nonprofit, so you get a lot of funding and, you know, you guys raise money and have raffles and have banquets and all that stuff. So you want to kind of talk about yeah. how um, you guys are, how you're driven through people that, that believe in your, your mission yeah. Speaking of that, what is your mission statement? So I, I think I could even remember your mission statement before we even get in there. And um, and I think that's one of the things when I refer people and I talk about it is because it was impactful to me is changing lives one adventure at a time. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's the bottom line. I think that's where when people hear your mission that you're changing the lives one adventure at a time, that they want to become a sponsor, they want to be a partner, and they want to help you fundraise and do all these things. And you talked about the outdoorsman being a sponsor and, and a donor and you want to kind of elaborate how other organizations kind of do the same thing and yeah um part part of uh obviously we weren't thinking about it because chris and i are not that smart at least we weren't then not saying we are any smarter now but you know in 2008 when we decided to start this nonprofit, uh, that's when the economy was just you know we all we've all we all remember that it was a nightmare you know how do you start it um and so we, we, we figured, oh, well, you know, we only do a couple of kids a year. We can, we can manage ourselves, you know. And uh, in 2009, uh, one of our volunteers, Tom Paz, um, his daughter was getting married to a fellow in the Army. And uh, someone forgot to tell the Army that they were going to have a reception on a Thursday night at this place over in Chandler, and they shipped him overseas. So now it's about a month to go. And he's got this place prepaid, non-refundable. And he and I just, Tom and I, just going back and forth. And, and the phone, and when he tells me all about it, I'm like, I said, well, if it's non-refundable, do you think you can donate it to us and that we can get at least a tax donation receipt for your records and see if we can put something together in a month? He goes, do you think so? So I call Chris. He goes, well, what do we have to lose? Nothing, right? It's not like we're, we're losing anything. So sure enough, then we called another another friend of ours, Tom McReynolds with uh, McReynolds Farms, who, you know, roasted pigs. And so then we sat down with the, the place uh, that we went to, and um, it all it all happened. It all came together. We had like 120 people there, and it was, you know, we were, we were on top of the world because we pulled it off in less than 30 days. And that's how our fundraising started. And we, we didn't know how we were going to do it other than beg, bar, and steal. Um, and uh, and the next year we did it again, and they did it again. That place worked with us. Um, and, I, and I wish I could remember the name of it. It's over off of uh, the 101 and and the 202. Um, some hacienda, man. I, I, in a, in a, I've 
feel bad because they were one of our first sponsors and one yeah. donating their their services, their location to us on Thursdays. We did it like four years there. Um, and that's when we started working together and, and trying to figure out you know, what can we do for sponsorships. Um, we did, uh, you know, obviously we have the outdoorsman, wilderness athlete, Western hunter, um, archery headquarters, um, Swarovski, Lacazze, Ice Vortex, uh, Ruger. Um, who else do we have? Gosh, um, can I track boots? I mean, how can I forget them? Because I wear them every day. Um, but uh, there's so many more out there. And, and the reality of what we did is during that time of the economic downturn, um, the opportunities were created because of it. We went to the SHOT Show. Um, and how, you know the SHOT Show nonprofits go over there seeking donations, seeking partnerships. You know, So how do you do it? How do you, how do you walk into a SHOT Show when the economy is going south and ask them, hey, sure. let's work together? So I had to sit back and figure that out and go, okay, well, you know, how would I want to be approached? You know, um, the opportunities that created the economic downturn created opportunities were for organizations and companies. And I'm sharing this so that way when you guys go out there, you know, listen to me and other organizations are looking for ways to maximize an opportunity, this is this is what we did. Um, I go to the SHOT Show and, you know, you go over there and shake hands. Go, hi, my name is Eddie Corona. I'm with After Experience for All. We're looking for donations. This is who we are. And they're going to be like, well, you know, our, our economy, our checkbook, blah, 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 blah. And you get, you know, no, I don't want to dance with you. No, I don't want to dance with you. Back to junior high again, you know, and yep. keep going to the next girl and keep asking her until somebody says yes, you know. Yep. But there was a lot more no's. And so I had to sit back and go, okay, well, I got to have a different approach here. And the different approach was, you know, what we came up with, and that's me, you know, now going up to him and say, Hey, my name is Eddie Corona with Doctor Experience for All. I don't want anything from you. I don't want a donation. What I want is for you to give me the opportunity to introduce who we are to you over the next 12 months. You know, why? Because I'm going to educate them for the next 12 months who we are. And then set an appointment with them the next shot show and sit down yep. and see if we can work together. Yep. And by doing that, you know, you change the approach so now they listen to you. And what we also did is educate them on saying, by the way, because of the economic downturn, you have an opportunity to say no to everybody. But to you recover, you might have the opportunity then hopefully to say yes to a few. Yep. And no different than what we did back in the day you know, before we had cell phones and text messages and social media, if you wanted to get a message to a girl, how did you do it? Oh, you wrote a little note. Oh, yeah. And you give it to a friend or you give it to her as they were walking out of the classroom. That's all I'm doing is I'm writing love letters to these guys, yep. telling them who we are and what we're doing and what we're about over the next 12 months, giving them the opportunity to get to know us under their terms by See, creating comfort. And that goes back to relationships. Right. If you build relationships and people get to know who you are as an individual, you know, what you represent and all the things that goes with it and the organization that you represent, it becomes personal to where it's not just a name that, or a, an individual. You have no idea who that person is, but it goes back to they, they buy ownership into that organization yeah. and into that individual. And that's basically yep. what you're building is the relationship of ownership where it becomes a partnership. Oh, yeah. It's an understanding where... If they say the name, you know, Outdoor Experience for All, it brings pride that, hey, we're aligned with this organization because I know they're going to do this, this, and this, and, mm -hmm. they have a, and they have a track record. Yep, and, you know, so that leads to bigger, bigger sponsors, Bass Pro Shop, Cabela's, uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, um, you know, and it just gets better and better. Um, and, and, you know, so for us, uh, you know, yeah, relationship building, that's, all, that's what it's all about. It's just relationship building. Continue to go out there and sell yourself all the single time, you know, and um, I, I use, I should date this young lady and she, there's a lot of things that she did that I, that I do now. She never left the house until she looked great. It didn't matter what she was doing. And she, I said, I was like, well, why do you do that? She goes, because you never know who you're going to run into. And you always have to put your best foot forward. So when you look good, you feel good. 
when you feel good, you make good choices. You you bring this persona that is, you know, people want to approach you. And I'm like, back then I was like, whatever, you know, they didn't care. And now I think back and I think about Yolanda and I'm like, crap, she was right. You know, and, and so you, just because it's a past life doesn't mean you can't learn something from it. You know, you, there are so many things that happen that you learn from it and, and you, you take that as a business and go, okay, well, how, how can I implement this in the business portion of it? Outdoor experience for all may be a nonprofit, but we're still a business. We still got to make business decisions. Uh, we still got to have funding. We still got to go out there and make that happen. In fact, uh, you know, that's one of the hardest things is, is, is funding. Yeah. And, and so like this year, uh, last year we had to cancel our fundraiser, our annual fundraiser. I call it a fundraiser, not a banquet because we're there to raise funds. You know, it's all the psychological stuff that I use. Uh, uh, so we had to cancel it. We moved it over to this year, May 22nd. I go back to the Colby Falls uh, weddings venue that it's over on, in Gilbert, you know, mm-hmm. May 22nd. And I was over there a few weeks ago, and I sat down with uh, with my representative there and asking her, okay, well, I'm going into being told, thinking I want to be told, by the way, you can only have 100 people instead of 380 people. And so I'm like... You know, so how many people can we have? She goes, you can max it out. And I about hit the floor. And I'm like, what? What do you mean we can max it out? We can have 300 whatever? And she goes, yeah. I mean, did something change? The CDC changed something that was going on? She goes, well, these are the requirements for the city of Gilbert. We got to, you know, scan you to temperature. And then you got to wear a mask if you're standing up or walking around. Or if you're sitting down and eating and drinking, you can take your mask off. So I'm like, all right. Sign, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. You know, because... That's that's simple for us. I'm like, all right, well, you know, and and to be fair, instead of having 380 people that you stick in, we're going to go 300. And why is because uh, we want to create an environment that is, you know, based on what we're being told, and also, you know, have a little bit of room because you know there's going to be some people that don't want to be in a crowded room. Yep. And and I'm, I, we not got to respect that as well, but they also want to support us. So. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make an attempt to have our annual fundraiser May twenty second um, over in Gilbert. Uh, tickets are not for sale yet. Uh, we're trying to nail down a, a keynote speaker, and we've had a couple of them who we have to choose from, and it's just a matter of scheduling. Yep. And the tough part is that you know it's hard to schedule something this this time in this environment that we live in today. Sure. And so uh, we we might have an A and B or C and D. I I don't know the I don't know their answer yet, and I'm hoping to be able to pin it all down by the end of the week here. Yep. And what kind of people? And if people are interested. What kind of fundraising opportunities will they have to to buy there? Is it normal like a, a normal banquet where there may be some gifts and gadgets, or is it more like hunts, or what, what kind of different things that are you planning and foreseeing that people would have the opportunity to come and fundraise and spend a whole bunch of money on that? Maybe fifty cents on the dollar, but it's probably gonna be more like two dollars. That would be worth fifty cents, but they're gonna pay two dollars because they they want to invest in you. You know, the idea is, like you said, it's fundraising, and it's uh-huh. it's not about getting a bargain and then getting a steal, but it's about buying something, knowing that the legacy impact is gonna impact all these veterans and and kids going forward. Well, just like any other one, we we you know all our sister organizations, uh, creator organizations, you know, they all have. Raffles for bucket raffles, same thing applies, selling auctions and live auctions. Um, how much are we going to have in the outdoor community this year is going to be up in the air, and this is why. Because of COVID, you know, you can't even buy ammunition. You know, why? Because everyone and mom is buying ammunition. Why? Because we have more people out there. Same thing applies. We had, what, 14, 15, 16, 18,000 more people apply for elk and elk this year because there's more people in the outdoors, you know. Can't go to Dinland or on a cruise, but you can go hiking, you can go hunting, you can go fishing, you can go camping, and everyone is doing it. And so, uh, talking to some of our sponsors and asking them for donations, they're like, "You might get something." So, if it's normal like normal, uh, we'll have some firearms from Ruger, as we have always had. We'll have some optics from, you know, Liga's Ice Vortex and Swarovski. Uh, we'll have some um, um, stuff from the outdoorsmen, wilderness athletes, and all the regulars, uh, can't attract boots. Um, we'll also have a lot of other stuff that is custom built. 
uh, we have our, one of our board members, Sam Hyatt, who is, uh, we call him Chepetto, because he, he's got a mill at his house up, in, up, at, uh, uh, up north. So, you know, we tell him we want something, he just starts making it happen. So awesome. there's a lot of cool stuff. We also get some hunts that are donated to us, uh, bison hunt up in uh, South Dakota, the Lakota Indian Nation. Um, uh, we'll have some, you know, South African hunts if people want to travel there. We'll uh, try and work on getting some hunts down in, in Mexico. Uh, and then we have our women's raffles. Can't forget about the decision yep. makers because oh, we're, yeah. on, we're only here because they allow us to be, guys. Exactly. Let's be truly honest there. So, and then we'll have some youth stuff, and um, we always try to make it you know, the same and different uh, yep. that, that separates us from every other fundraiser out there. But Yep, no, it's exciting because I know with all the fundraisers across the board in the last year and a half or so, or the last year, you know, since COVID hit, I mean, this is going to be almost like a renewing, you know. A lot of us enjoy those things, and that's how we, we, we plan to go there to spend money. And it's going to be nice to kind of feel semi-normal, you know, through a, a fundraising banquet, you know. It's, and, it's, again, it's about the fellowships. I think right. all the ones that I go to, it's about, you know, knowing six or eight different people from different tables, and it becomes more of a social and storytelling. And you're there to spend money, but you're also having just a great time because you're bringing all these different individuals together that are very similar like-minded, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's um, and it's a blessing that we have such big support from our community of hunters and anglers, and even some people that don't hunt don't hunt or fish at all, uh, help make an impact on the people we serve. Um, unfortunately, cancer has impacted all of us, everybody, everybody. You, you know, are we all cancer free? No, we're not. Um, but um, you know, so opportunity. Can you share? Um while we're talking about that, I don't I don't know of anyone that hasn't been impacted by cancer either. And we're you you impact the lives like we've talked about uh, throughout this podcast on on youth as well as disabled veterans or family members that uh, have lost a loved one of a first responder in the line of duty. Um, what's some of your fondest memories or what's your most fond memory of helping a disabled youth? Um, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, memories that I carry with me that are close to my chest because they made a, such a huge impact on me. And one, one of the most, we've got three of them, three of the most, uh, biggest impacts that I've had to m make me drive, to keep going, doing what I'm doing one was, um, it was 2012. Um, I get a phone call from um, from Mary Stein, uh, his, her mom, Lana. They're driving down from Cottonwood down to the Phoenix Children's Hospital. And uh, Mary spent most of her time in the hospital. And she was always in the hospital. I knew her for the four or five, six years that she was alive, she was always in the hospital. So everything, we did birthdays for her in the hospital, we did all kinds of stuff for her in the hospital, and um, Mary's not doing well, they take her in there, and um, it was a Thursday. That Tuesday, um, our youngest participant, Skylar, uh, Skylar was four, I believe she died that day. She passed away from leukemia. Uh, Skylar was that kid who wanted to play in the snow. You know, she just wanted to go play in the snow. That was her outdoor experience for her, just go play in the snow. You know, that was it. She got sick, and uh, we could never get her into the snow. Um, that one, uh, that was a Tuesday. Then Thursday, Mary Stein is in the hospital, and she went septic, and she passed away. And I get the call. It was 11.30 in the morning from Lana, her mom, and, she this Phoenix Children's Hospital. I show up and and you're there and, and trying to figure out, you know, how how do you consult family? And Mary Stein is still on the bed and she's covered up and you know I don't know what to do. So the natural thing is to say goodbye. And so I asked permission from from Larry and Lana if I can say goodbye to Mary. And said, yeah. So I lift up the sheet and I know exactly what to expect and and. 
Mary went septic, so she's bloated and she's a different color. And I'm trying not to react. You know, you're you're just you're you're I'm out in shock. So I I, I you know I just pray to God and say, hey, you know, just get, help me get through this. And so I uh, kiss you goodbye and say goodbye to her and cover her back up. And if I get a little emotional, you know why. Okay. Um, and I sit back down trying to process this stuff and and you know. I always told my wife I want 100% in or 100% out. And I wasn't planning on this. Wasn't planning on that. So, <clears throat> so I sit back down and, and I'm like, I got to excuse myself. You know, we're about two hours that I've been there. And Mary's still in the room. And I'm trying to figure out why is she still there? Why, why is Mary's body still in his room? Shouldn't they, they take her to the morgue or somewhere else? Of course, you know, not ever have dealt with this before. I well, excuse myself when I go outside, like if I'm going to go to the restroom and, you know, go wash my hands, wash my face, and mm-hmm. try to gather myself before I approach the nurse's station. I'll go to the nurse's station and ask him, hey, by the way, uh, you know, Mary Stein's body's still in there. Why? And they said, well, the parents haven't decided what to do with her. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Parents haven't decided what to do with her. Well, I said, can't you just put her in... in Freeze the morgue or something like that until they do this. So we, we can't because then sometimes it'll be days and weeks before they even reply. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I, I, from a business standpoint, I understand now. Back then, I'm like, well, this is terrible. What do you do? Yeah. So I said, well, what are the choices? Well, we gave them a, a folder or an envelope with a bunch of different stuff about mortuaries and so on and so forth. So you know, it's up to them. So I walk in there. I'm going, you know. The expectation is you lose your loved one and you got to make a decision. The reality is that is life and it's true. I just never thought about, you know, the process of that, what that is. You know, sure. you got to make a business decision at the time of death of someone else, your loved one. So I sit there with Lana and Larry, we're talking about it. And finally asked him, hey, by the way, you know, the reason Mary Stein's body's here, your daughter's body's here is because you haven't made a decision of what to do. And um, so I asked, you know, do you want me to make some phone calls? Sure. So I walk out there and, you know, I start calling some mortuaries and I ask them, well, you know, how much does this stuff cost? Unless you buried with someone recently, which most of us have been probably, um, that's not cheap. You know, death is expensive, you yeah. know. And so yeah. so then I will go back in and I'm going, oh, well, you know, what kind of budget do we have here? And he told me, I'm like, all right, well, Go back after, and now I got to. Now I know what I got to work with. All these places that I called, you know, and then I come back in to see Larry and Lana again. I say, hey, by the way, you know, my recommendation is cremation because it's a lot less expensive, and based on the way she looks, it's going to be the best one to do. And getting people here, and this is in 2012, getting people here from that are family is going to be the best thing for you to. We just do a cremation. We have a ceremony, and so on and so forth. Um, so anyway, so we're we're doing that, and I got a budget, and call these places, and there's nowhere near, you know, what they had to spend. Everything was way way up. In 2011, Lana and Larry allowed uh, Mary to go on a hunt with me to Colorado. I'm gonna talk about this man because he's huge, impacted on us. His name is Jimmy Melody. Jimmy Jim Melody, Jr. is. Uh, um, owns a company called Pope Lime, and we met him and Glenn uh, Ferringer, who owns a landscaping company. They were at the shot, you know, at the Safari Club International, and he approached us about sponsoring some kids to go to Colorado that are property that live here in town, but they have property in Colorado to go hunt deer. And that that year, that 2011, uh, something happened at camp, and you know, Mary had to leave early, and she never had a chance to to uh, to harvest a deer. But she makes such a huge impact in Mr. Melody's life that, you know, he goes, hey, we're bringing her 2012. She's coming back. I don't care. I'm like, okay, you know, it's your baby. Let's do it. But he always said, if I ever need anything, call him. He goes, call me if you ever need anything. We know the program. So I sat out there and I made that call to him about Mary and, and, and you know, the impact that not only does the program make, but this kid makes on other people who ripple effect into the rest of the program and other kids is, you know, is what we're getting to here is that she 
made such an impact in a man and that I had the ability to call him and say, hey, you always told me to call you, and if I didn't call you, you'd be upset. And he told me, get it done. Whatever it takes, get it done. Meaning that, you know, the way I looked at it, Miss Melody was going to help us with the funeral, and he took care of it all. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was such a you know, long story, but the fact that not only the kids impacting us who are participants, that we are impacting the kids, but they also impact other people, such as the Melodies and, and the Ferringers, that, that they continue to buy more into the program to make a bigger impact. That's probably, that's one of the hardest things I've ever done is, is, is and by the way, I had to plan the whole funeral and the services. Uh, finally, at the services, I broke down because I just couldn't take that weight anymore. Um, do I have time for two more? Absolutely. Okay. Thomas Wittenhofer was our first kid where we took out. Uh, Chris and I did an antelope hunt with him. Uh, a guy by the name of Goose, Gary Goose Howell up in, in Flagstaff was at that same camp, the first camp we were at with the other organization. And, and Lee Hop, same guy, was, you know, was at that camp. And all of us got together. We did this hunt. Uh, uh, July, just like it was July something. I forget when it was. Uh, July 9th or of two thousand eleven. We had our fundraiser runs on a Thursday, and Thomas Windhofer was our keynote speaker. Um, and so his brain tumor comes back, and it, now it's two thousand twelve, and. Um, you know, they did all kinds of different treatments. They did all kinds of different things to try to minimize his his uh, the negative effect of the brain tumor. They couldn't do it, so they gave him so much time to live. Now, at this point, Thomas and his family are living in Butler, Pennsylvania, and Chris goes, "Hey, we gotta, we got, we gotta go. To, we gotta Pennsylvania. I don't want to go." He goes, why? I said, I, I, Chris, I, I, I don't have it. I can't go say goodbye to a kid. <clears throat> Just doesn't work out that way. So sure enough, <clears throat> my wife is pushing me. He's pushing me. So we go. How do you say bye? Yeah. Just, you know. Um, yep. yep. It was... Uh, <clears throat> One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. Say goodbye to a kid. Um, that was 2012. Mm -hmm. And I still get emotional about it because I really don't care what people think. You yeah. know, I was there. Yep. Uh, so uh, Thomas passed away mm -hmm. on July 10th, 2012. Mm -hmm. Um. That was pretty tough. In 2012, yep. we also lost another kid in Austin, leukemia, on December 24th. Um, it's, it was uh, it just <clears throat> some of the differences that we uh, get, get to experience is the fact yep. that yep. we don't want to be part of their lives only during our event. We want to be part of their lives people we serve as many times as they allow us to the only way you're going to change is by continuing to be an impactful person or impactful organization and the people who you're trying to serve yep if i only want to be part of the life during that event then who am i doing it for exactly is it for them or is it for me yep you know so for us I don't even want to call it the pi the price you pay. The, you know the, the the gift you get back. Yep. Is the tears that you see in my eyes. Um, yep. One of our and they're flowing. Trust oh me. yeah. I mean, one of our former yep. one of our, our our past board members, Ron Moore, good guy. Um, there was a kid out of Maine, uh, Rhode Rhode Island, I think it was yeah Rhode Island. Uh, James and. You know, he wanted the kid wanted to come out of here in an Alcon. They, they seeked us out, so we, you know, we made it happen. 
and Ron, you know, really took the kid under his belt and, and did everything he could with that kid. And when James passed away, I, you know, before James passed away, and the same thing happened with Thomas Widenhofer. Um, he had to go back and say goodbye, and, and I said, Ron, it should be you. It shouldn't be me. I said, this is your relationship with this kid. You should go back there and do it. He went back there. He came back just, here's the are, big old tough cowboy, loved the man, great dude, great, great person. And he comes back a different person. He just... You know, he, he got experience that I got experience, and, and yep. it's not every day we get to do that, and especially with an organization. Uh, he uh, he came back, and he goes, wow. He goes, I will never be the same. He goes, that kid made me a better person. I said, yep. you know, God God gave you a gift. You know, yep. how you choose to use it is strictly up to you. And, um, you know, so <clears throat> the, more, the more we do this, the easier it becomes to accept um, the things that happen. It may not be easy, you know. Um, still, you're still emotional. You still, you know, you still have feelings. You still, yep. we're human, you know. And uh, for us, you know, uh, when I get a chance to to relive those moments with whether it's Mary Stein, Skyler, Austin, Thomas, um, we have the opportunity to continue to grow and remind ourselves of why we do the things to do. Um, yep. You know. One person that I definitely need to thank is my wife. You know, she she is, you know, I call her my sugar mama because the reality is she's my sugar mama, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. she, affords me, she affords me the ability to do this. Yep. Uh, and, and we forget sometimes to, to really acknowledge the, the people in our lives that, that uh, allow us to, to make an impact in someone else's. And I can't, I can't do it without her, without her. For sure doesn't work out um but hopefully i covered your question as far as some of the memorable things absolutely i mean that's just an a testament to how far-reaching god's hands work in 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 everything that you start a business you start a nonprofit like outdoor experience for all to allow children allow disabled hunters, allow all the people that qualify in order to get out and experience something that they haven't got to do. Um, a lot of it is hunting, but as you said in that story, that's so impactful that just resonates with everyone that a little girl just wanted to go play in the snow, something that a lot of people take for granted. And it seems, you know, so small in the grand scheme of things is so impactful and that just shows that his hand is is touching everything uh -huh. that he impacts all of our lives when when we're down and out um when you know life gives us circumstances that are beyond our control and we can't understand it he's ultimately in control and that he impacts all of us in different ways and like you said it's it's your choice and how you learn and give back and how you can share that knowledge and those experiences with others. And you take something that, that is hurtful, that, that does um, tear at your heart, and that you never lose that feeling, and you always want to give 110% for every other child that you, you come in contact with. And if, if everybody listening right now you know, didn't tear up a little bit over that, um, I'm sorry, you're, you don't... You don't, you're, you're, you're just not feeling the emotion. Um, but I can tell you everybody here felt that and, uh, everybody that, uh, that has children out there knows that you do not want to have to have anything ever happen to your, to your child. And that's a, a parent's worst nightmare would be, you know, to outlive your, your, your children. So I can't imagine what they went through and and all and you know and everything that that goes along with that but it's good to have friends it's good to have family that are there to uh to help you and pick you up along the way because everybody needs that so i really really appreciate you sharing that story yeah you know and you know props to all those who have donated permits to us you know if you want to know what kind of a difference you're making you know you listen to this podcast hopefully that <clears throat> 
you're able to realize that, you know, it's a ripple effect. It's not just one domino that fell. It's a whole ton of them, and they keep falling. And that ripple effect, it's never going to stop unless we stop caring. And, um, you know, in today's world, it's easy to do that because it's so easily distracted, shiny, shiny, look over here, look over there. It happens all the time. Um, you know, and, and it's a, it's more than just about that hunting tag. Absolutely. That's, that's just the step. And the ripple effect that goes behind that is the stuff that sometimes we don't get a chance to share or, or we don't get a chance to, to show or some people don't see. I get to see it all the time. Um, and uh, it's just uh, uh, it's a God thing. I really don't know what else to call it. Yep, you know? that's true. And, and you know, it, uh, I'm truly a blessed person to be here, to be able to do this, to be able to, to represent every single person who's ever, you know, helped us. Yep. And I'm um, hopefully that, you know, I'll continue to be able to do that for them. Um, Absolutely. Leaving a legacy, you know, and I think back to a, a friend of ours, and uh, he was kind of introduced, I think, to you um, after my son was diagnosed and got a tag, and he's was a veteran, you know, and was in pretty bad shape and lots of surgeries and you give him you know, a lot of tags, probably three to five tags, I'm thinking. And I remember the last tag um, that came available, it was a Unit 9 Archery Bull tag. And um, it was in 2019, and I remember Eddie called me and said, hey, our, our friend Mike, um, we got a tag for him, and he's never had a tag like this before, but, but he's going to get this tag, and he, can you help him? Like, yeah, we can help him. And and so fast forward, you know, Mike goes up there and shoots a like a 350 class bull with his crossbow and just shoots an incredible bull and you know that was in september and this past um this past year he passes away you know in, yeah. in his 40s you know and this you know we just talked about the kids but there's a lot of veterans that you impact and and here's a, a veteran you know of the navy that you know gave his life for our country um had a lot of a lot of issues and sometimes you would see him and you're like no he looks perf perfectly healthy but it's there's a lot of veterans that have a lot of behind-the-scenes things that they're dealing with and surgeries and the mental side and, and all those other things. And little did we know, um, just looking back, you know, a year and a half ago, getting that call from you saying, hey, I got this this, this tag. We're going to give it to him. And I remember don't you, you told me, don't tell him. I'm going to be giving uh, Mike this. I can't remember what you did, but you gave him a phone call and kind of set him up and, and, and played it and, and kind of messed with his emotions. And all of a sudden he presented that tag. And I, I remember getting that, that phone call right away and the excitement, the joy and everything else. And then for him to shoot that incredible, you know, I mean, to shoot a bull of, of that magnitude and to hunt probably one of the best units in the world and to know that that was probably his last time he ever did, you know, that he was physically able to do. And we forget that life is precious and none of us know the days that we're going to be here. And little do we know that, you know, months later that he would pass away. Um, you know, it's truly impactful, you know, and it's it's i think that's when i think about the organization that was built in the legacy i think that's the pieces that we forget when we hear the word hey you want to transfer your tag to this organization that it's it's not just a tag it's not just a piece of paper or you may get a tax donation for that value or whatever it may be but it's you're impacting the lives of others in the name of hunting and the outdoors that has this ripple effect that's it's life impacting and it does so much more what kind of closing out um just recap, how can people reach out to you? How can people help or volunteer or donate tags? If you want to just let people know if they want to be able to come and guide or mentor a hunt or if they do want to donate their tag. Uh, best way to just call me. Um, my cell number, I'll, I'll say it here. It's 480-529-8340. Or go to our website, which is uh, www.oe4a.org. Uh, outdoor experience for all .org. Um, they can also look us up on Facebook. Um, you know, uh, we're on the regulations for Arizona Game and Fish Department. Um, you know, whether they want to donate something or ask questions, uh, you know, just call me. Um, I I'd love to talk. Those of you who know me can't shut me up. <laughs> and that, and we love hearing all the stories, uh, folks. This is going to conclude. Um, this is a two-part episode like we talked about. Second part, uh, Eddie is going to be talking about the Veterans Women's Archery Javelina and Deer Camp that Outdoor Experience for All uh, hosts. But as we do with every episode with the Christian Hunters of America podcast, we close with a prayer. Dear Lord, 
thank you for blessing uh, Eddie and Outdoor Experience for All. Thank you for allowing him to give back and to impact multiple people's lives. Please continue to look over his organization as well as other organizations that help disabled children, veterans, and their families. Please continue to give them safety and guidance and to give your loving arms and embrace them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Christian Hunters of America podcast. If you have any prayer requests or you require any information, please look us up on christianhuntersofamerica.org or you can reach us on Facebook or Instagram under Christian Hunters of America.